they're able to reach so many people. They donate over 1.6 million school lunches a day right now. So it's just unbelievable the impact they have, and they can help us scale our giving as we continue to grow. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Shopify Masters, the podcast powered by Shopify, your companion for starting and building a business. I'm your host, Felix Tia. What were you doing in high school? Well, Robert Felder started his own business. It all happened after a school trip to Bangladesh. The country is one of the largest apparel manufacturers in the world, and yet, as Robert would discover during his trip, its citizens don't have the same access to clothing. Wanting to fix this, Robert created Bare Bottom Clothing. The company donates clothing for every piece sold and is now an eight-figure business. Welcome to the show, Robert. Thanks for having me, Felix. I appreciate it. So I'm familiar with your line of shorts being one of your most popular items. Can you describe what makes a customer choose bare bottom clothing shorts over other brands? Yeah, for sure. So definitely we came out, our first product was shorts. So people really know us and love us for our shorts. We have great comfort, elastic waistband, stretch fabric. Fit is super important to us. So people know they're going to get a reliable product where they're going to be happy with how it fits and feels. How did you know to design a product like that? How did you know what kind of features you wanted in your line of shorts? Everything we design, shorts, t-shirts, pants, all of it is designed for us. You know, we make products we want to wear, we want to use. That's how the original product came out. I was looking for a pair of shorts. I couldn't find one I wanted and uh, just decided, you know what, let's let's get to it. Let's figure out how to get that made. Um, Being in Florida, we wear shorts year round kind of experts in it, I guess you could say. But for us, the fit and comfort and then obviously how you look is super important. So that's kind of how we landed on our product mix now. You come from a family that is deep in the apparel business. Did that experience that grew up in that kind of household impact you starting Bare Bottom Clothing? Throughout my life, I've been exposed to apparel manufacturing, sourcing, everything in the business. Um, And that was when I couldn't find the right fit for me. That's when I started talking to my dad and you know, I said, hey, why can't I find something I want to wear that's affordable? We talked a little bit more numbers oriented and product. And I said, I should try to do this. I should sell some shorts online. And that's how we started with our first product. It was just out of necessity. And uh, after going to Bangladesh is really what kicked it off. What were some new skills that you had to learn, even though you came from this background, this family, in this business, this industry already? What are some new things that you had to learn to start your own business? At the time, you know, I was just in high school and actually started the business in college. First scale, you know, my dad had been in the business for 30 years. So what he was doing was a different level from what we were looking to do. And I had to learn everything from a business, marketing, accounting, HR, everything from customer service to shipping, product development, all of that. So when we started out, you know, I was in college, didn't have funding, didn't go and hire a big team. So just learning and mastering every part of the business. And now as we've grown, bringing people onto the team who are experts in what they do and super passionate. That's one thing that's really important to us. As long as you're passionate, I think you can figure out how to do anything and do it successfully. So lots to learn along the way and then eventually hiring experts to take those spots. For anyone out there that is just starting out though, are there specific skill sets that you recommend that they develop first? Yeah, I mean, it definitely depends on what business you're going into, but I would say there's tons of resources. YouTube, people are always willing to share, I find. And if you just reach out to people who you think do a good job in that space, more often than not, they're willing to share with you. But I think as long as you're willing to commit and focus on numbers and not the appearance of what you're doing, 
I think that's very important. I think people kind of lose sight sometimes. You're running a business. You need to remember that. It's not about portraying that you're running a business. You need to focus on the business and make sure you know, you're doing everything you can to be successful and making sure your customer loves your product. Because at the end of the day, your product is what people are going to come to you for. So after you went on this trip to Bangladesh, you only took six months before you started building the foundation of your clothing line. What were some important items that you knew you had to get right on the checklist? Like I said, we focus a lot on fit and comfort. So that was the main priority was making sure the product was something that people would love to wear. Um, That's how now everything we have is stretch fabric, elastic waist, things like that. And when we got started, you know, I only had a limited knowledge. So I was looking for things that maybe weren't being done traditionally because I came from that outside perspective of, hey, this is what I want to do. How do we do it? Yeah. And because you came from that perspective, what were some of the challenges or how were you able to find the right partners in production and getting the right supplies in to create the exact kind of designs that you wanted? That's a huge thing for us is making sure we have good long-term partnerships. When working with factories, we don't just go out and place orders. We work with people we know, we build relationships. Our suppliers have been to our wedding. They know everything about our family. So that's the type of relationship that's important to us because we can't serve our customers if we don't know our customers. And that's the same with production. So if the factory knows our expectation, they know that when they ship us the goods, their journey is not over. They care about the customer. They're reading the reviews. We're sharing feedback. We're sharing positive, negative feedback. So those are the things that have really helped us be successful. It's getting true partners who care and are invested in our business so that we can deliver the best product to our customers. Yeah. And your suppliers, though, are on the other side of the world in places like Bangladesh, India and China. How do you make sure that you're all on the same page and that you're able to develop this kind of great relationship? So that's a huge part to us. Constant communication. We have basically 24 hour open lines where you're on WhatsApp, phone calls, video chatting all the time with them. And of course, visiting in person. So up until COVID, we were traveling all the time, spending time with them. They were coming here. And, uh, you know, I was one of the first people that most of the suppliers had seen once COVID started to wane out and travel opened back up internationally. We were there immediately. So just staying in constant contact is the most important piece for us. When you're not there, what about making sure that quality assurance is up to par and that the working conditions are ideal? How do you make sure that those levels are satisfied? That's kind of a two-part question. The first, the quality part, they understand what we're looking for. So it's not that learning curve isn't there. If there was a new supplier, you know that would have been a challenge. But everyone who did our production in particular during COVID and we weren't able to travel, they already knew our expectations. They understood our requirements. So in those video calls, they were the ones who were helping ensure the quality was there. And then we did things like third-party inspections and having a quality representative who works just for our company in country is super important. So they can go to different factories and, you know, the factories are even willing to have their representative go to a competitor because of the relationship we have and just that open, transparent working relationship. And then in terms of working conditions, it's an open book. They share everything and anything we ask because of the relationship. So again, it always comes back to that. And we don't place an order without personally having someone on our team visit the facility, speak with their management, understand their working, how they operate, everything like that. 
And even with these processes and relationships that you've built, you had a pretty big loss due to inventory where the back pockets of your clothing were too small. Tell us what happened. Yeah. So this was probably about four or five years ago now where there was production ongoing and you know we're, they were wrapping up, starting to do the packing and the factory realized they just had a, a mistake in the measurement and they contacted us about it. You know, they said, Hey, we made this mistake. They were upfront. They were honest about it. And they said, here are our options on how to fix it. What do we do? You know, when you have a problem like that, the worst case scenario is you don't find out until it's in a customer's hand. So this was something where we worked with the factory. We shared the cost to do the repair. We shared the knowledge. We called in, you know, family and friends who had experience in similar issues or ways to correct it. And that is not possible to get that type of cooperation with someone who you just don't have a good relationship with. So that was one way where, you know, obviously it wasn't something we were happy about, but we always tell the factory, your problem is our problem and our problem is your problem. So there's no benefit to anyone if they don't try to do what they can to fix it. The same way if we don't sell the product, they don't get more orders. So we really try to push, you know, relationships and cooperation with everything we do. I'm chatting with Robert Felder, founder of Bare Bottom Clothing. They sell versatile, comfortable, and wearable everyday clothing and donates through their buy one, give one model. Robert, do you remember your first sale? I do. I do remember my first sale. Where'd it come from? Of course, it was a good friend. I don't know if you really want to count that one, but I counted it. And uh, I remember the first stranger who ordered, and I just couldn't believe that someone had found our website and actually went through the purchase process. Looking back now, the quality of the website, it was a different world. It was before Shopify was, you know, taking over e-commerce and things like that. So having Shopify now, I think I always tell people it's never been easier to get a viable website up and running that looks professional. But I do remember that first sale very well. You know, you started your business a decade ago. What were some of the unique challenges in the early days that you had to get through to get to the point where you are at today? My expertise is not in marketing, photography, graphics, anything like that. And that's such a huge part of having a website. Obviously, it's the only thing your customers can see until they get your product in hand or hear about it from others. So the biggest challenge, I think, for me was understanding that side of the business. And that's who I went out and surrounded myself with people who did understand that part and could help elevate my skills and, you know, portray to our customers the great product we do have in a good way that is resonating through e-commerce. And throughout this process over the last decade, at what point did you realize that bare bottom could be something big? It was my whole intention. You know, I started it in college, so I had a little bit less of a risk factor. So I think that's obviously a huge part of it. Um, I say to everyone, take advantage of that time when you don't have the bills and challenges of adulthood where you might have towards the end of high school or if you are in college, take that time where you don't have the pressure of a family and take the risk. I knew it would be something, you know, I could continue because I planned for that. You know, within the first year, I said, okay, this will be my career. I never did a job interview while in school. And I still remember I had an assignment where I had to build a LinkedIn profile. And I told my teacher, you know, I'm not interviewing for jobs. I don't need a LinkedIn. He said, oh, no, this is the assignment. I said, but you don't understand. I don't need someone to find me because at that point, LinkedIn wasn't the networking tool it was now. It was really just find jobs, find recruiters, that type of thing. So now it's obviously beneficial to have it. But it's interesting to look back going through college. I had a different experience. I wasn't 
you know, stressed about finding a job. I was learning so I could better my business. And I was always connecting, you know, what am I actually working on to these, this coursework and finding ways where I could pull in little pieces of my business and saying, okay, what can I learn in this class to improve my business? Yeah, so you always had this roadmap, this conviction that you would make this work. You had no other kind of plan B involved. But were there moments, were there big sales, big things that happened where you realized that, okay, this is actually playing out like I envisioned? I don't think there was ever like a big spike or bump. Um, a lot of companies, I think they have that one big break where a celebrity or PR happens. I always tell our team, like, we're here. The longer it takes us to build, that's okay, because that's just how much longer we're going to last. I was always just keeping at it. And I still, to this day, when things aren't going as planned, I say, we have our mission. We're doing things the right way. Let's keep doing it and we'll, we'll be successful from it. And as the business has evolved, e-commerce has grown over the decade, competitions entered the space. How do you make sure that you're always standing out from the crowd and that you are top of mind or at least being considered when customers are looking for clothing like yours? Yeah, that's one thing that's definitely changed a lot. The competition is never been higher, as you said. For us, product at the end of the day is always the key. We we believe that anyone who gets our product in hand will love it. And it's just convincing them, you know, make that purchase so that we can get them as a customer. Because like I said, you know, we focus so much on product, quality, fit, fabric, you know, function, everything of our product. We do think people will love it. And the other part that goes back to, you know, much of our marketing team and our e-commerce team, they're doing so much work behind the scenes where customers don't understand, you know, the level of production and attention to detail that goes into helping to build our brand because we might only get two to four seconds of someone's time in a day as they're scrolling through social or, you know, going online. We need to make sure that they're enjoying that engagement with us. And a lot of that comes from our customers. Our customers have helped shape our business shape our brand, and they continue to grave us unbelievable content because they love our product and they're doing things that we love to see them do. Yeah. And there've been times where there is too much demand for you to meet it with the inventory that you had on hand. Can you tell us more about what happened? COVID obviously in particular, everyone understands the bump that e-commerce had and supply chains were slowed or stopped. So luckily, you know, we had these great relationships with our production partners and uh, they were able to believe in us. And we said, their demand is coming. It's here. We need to scale up. We need to ramp up. And while a lot of, you know, brick and mortar stores were canceling orders, we were increasing orders. And, you know, there was a lot of pressure on the, these partners just from having so many cancellations to kind of believe us and stick with us meant a lot because we were doubling and tripling order quantities when people were canceling, they had to take that risk and they were willing to do it. And it's paid off because, you know, all these customers that we've gained during that time have stuck around. I'm excited to hear more about your journey right after this quick message from Shopify. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or in the middle of scaling one, we know that building a business can be lonely at times. To bring fellow founders together, we've launched our merch store, Shopify Supply. From hoodies to socks, you can represent your hustle spirit. Check it out at shopify.supply. That's shopify.supply. And use the code podcast for 10% off your complete order and you'll get free shipping within North America too. Happy shopping.
I'm chatting with Robert Felder, founder of Bare Bottom Clothing. They sell versatile, comfortable, and wearable everyday clothing and donates through their buy one, give one model. So you had this vision in high school. You started the business in college. How were you able to balance running this business and school at the same time? Uh, at times, I definitely had to choose which was a priority. And I would say the business often won out over school. Um, it was just me and a couple of friends helping, you know, part time at, at the time to ship. And uh, I would be in a class and I would get a phone call from the storage unit where we used to actually store our product. No. Oh, man. The truck is here with the delivery. So I'd quickly pack up my bag. I would pick up my phone and say, hold on, I'm stepping out of class. And I would get outside and I'd say, hey, it's Robert. And they said, hey, Robert, the truck's here with your delivery. I know they said it was going to be this afternoon. I'll tell them you'll be here in 15 minutes. So I had people who knew the situation and this, you know, these in particular, this one um, storage unit that was helping us. They understood the situation and they were nice enough to kind of persuade the truck driver to wait for me to come and that I was in class. But that's just a funny story of, you know, balancing work and school at the same time. But at the, you know, class was obviously important. I was in class, I was doing the schoolwork, but at the same time, there were classes where I'd be taking notes and switching between customer service emails. Definitely sounds like a, a harrowing balancing act in some ways. When did you find get to the point where you're able to feel a little more stable or stabilize the business by hiring full-time employees? When did that happen? That happened towards the end of college. I never wanted to outpace our growth by hiring and putting us in a bad situation as a business. So that was super important to me. Um, and in the past two to three years is when we've really ramped up hiring and trying to get people who are as committed and passionate as the rest of our team is. And that's the most important thing. I've, everyone on our team now, they're all super dedicated and driven individuals. And I think it shows in the work and the product we put out to our customers. Looking at the products on your site, the products have thousands of reviews. I even see one that has almost 10,000 reviews. How do you encourage people to leave reviews? Yeah, that's a huge thing for us, especially, you know, that social proof is so important. People may not have heard of us and they just click on an ad or word of mouth. Once they come to our site and they see those reviews, they are great, but some people do think they're fake, funny enough. So that's also a balancing act, which is interesting, but to help counteract that, you know, our customer service team, a huge part of their job is interacting with those customers who are leaving reviews, responding back. So if you go through them, you'll see we do respond. We do read every single review. And a lot of our team, actually, any review that's not a five-star review, anything less than five stars, we get an email directly to us individually. And those are all read. I read every single review that's not a five-star review because we can't grow and get better without that negative feedback. So sometimes it does get overwhelming, just like you said, based on the number of reviews and seeing only negative reviews. So we, as a team, sometimes, you know, we'll go back, read some of the five star and realize, OK, one out of 100 or one out of 300 was a negative. We're still OK. But the reviews is a huge piece. And we send automated flow emails to our customers trying to encourage them to leave reviews because we want the feedback as well as obviously it gives that social proof. And we offer a discount to get them to leave that review. So once they do leave a review, they get an email for the next order. And then obviously there's a benefit for both of us in that exchange. Have there been any changes that you remember that came from a review, a negative review, a critical review that ended up changing the product or a way that you ran the business? It always hurts when somebody isn't pleased with our product or with our service. And I think a lot of that is 
we just don't communicate it properly to them. And it's interesting. We find that a lot of customers who do have that negative experience and reach out, we do everything we can to make that a positive experience. And more often than not, I feel like they're happier than customers who just have, you know, that great experience. They get the product and they love it. The customers that do have a negative first interaction and when we show we are committed and that we do care that they come back and love us more than if that hadn't happened. Yeah, that's really interesting that a lot of the causes of these issues are around communicating the product properly, like almost a mismatch in expectations. Can you say more about how to cover that gap and make sure that your customers fully understand what they're buying, what they're getting? That's always a challenge in e-commerce, especially for apparel, in my opinion. There's so many factors that are just basically impossible to communicate through a website. But how we try to combat that is we give people the basic information they want and then we have more detailed sections. We have on our social media, we post videos, we post customer content explaining in more detail. So we try not to overload people with information when they're shopping, but we do try to provide resources where if they do want to really explore more, they have that opportunity where they can understand, you know, what's the difference between these two fabrics? We do comparisons. That's one good way. So a great example of stretch shorts is our number one selling product and it comes in a five and a half and seven inch inseam. It has stretch fabric, elastic waistband, and it's like a typical khaki pair of shorts turned bare bottom. We got a lot of feedback on that and in reviews from customers who like a slimmer fit. And they said the leg opening's too big, the leg opening's too big, I don't like how it looks. So then we just recently launched our stretch chino short, which is a bit of a more dressed up version. The stretch short's a little more casual. And it has that slimmer fit. So we sent to people who left those reviews and comments, we said, hey, here's the slimmer fit you were looking for. Check out the stretch chino short. In the product description, we added that same fabric, same colors as our stretch short, but that modern slimmer fit. So that's a great example of customers, you know, ex- sharing their experience and us trying to find a way to help, you know, give them exactly what they're looking for. You have a buy one, give one program. Tell us more about how it works. That started when I was trying to come up with the brand and the company. Um, like you mentioned, I'd visited Bangladesh and I saw what an impact a thriving industry can have on a country where they're just, you know, starving for development. So the jobs that the factories were providing at the time, one salary was providing wages to feed eight people in that family. So that impact was incredible. And at the time, also Tom's shoes was just exploding and they, you know, are accredited with really pioneering this buy one, give one. And I remember one of the factories we were pulling up and right outside there were three kids playing and they weren't wearing any clothing. And to me as a high schooler and, you know, never really experiencing a country like Bangladesh living in the U.S., I traveled to the Dominican and other places, but something in Bangladesh stood out to me. And the fact that they were producing millions of garments right there and the kids just outside didn't have any clothing on, just stuck in my mind. And that's when I said, you know, when we do this business, obviously we'll do what we can, make sure that the factories are good for the workers, but let's do something a little bit extra where the product that they're helping us produce, they get to enjoy as well. So when we started out, we were donating, we were just selling shorts. So we're donating a pair of shorts for every pair of shorts we sold. Now we donate for every item we sell. We were doing a pair of shorts and we've recently changed that to a school lunch because at the scale we were hitting, 
we were, we as a team reviewed and we said, what can we do to make a bigger impact while, you know, everyone appreciated and we gave to the daycare in the factory. That's where we started. Then we expanded to all the factory workers, kids, their families, the schools that they went to outside, local hospitals. So we were really getting a wide reach with the clothing donation. But we said, you know, what can we do that can have a bigger impact? And that's how we landed with our partner now, um, Akshaya Patra. And that's donating a midday lunch program is what it's called. It's a school lunch where the impacts of a school lunch are far greater than you can ever imagine of just eating at school. It drives up the rates that students actually attend school. So absenteeism is much improved. These kids are obviously much more nourished. The parents want them to go to school because it helps, you know, offset the cost of having to feed their kids the structure and routine of being in school. There's so much impact that that lunch has that goes through society. It helps the girls as they're more educated. They learn more. They don't start working at home, which is traditional in a lot of, you know, rural areas, especially in India where we have this uh, donation and the girls are staying in school for longer, which is delaying marriage, which is delaying having kids. So they're being a part of the economy and they're helping to, you know, produce a lot more in that country where maybe traditionally they would just be assumed that they would stay at home and help take care of their siblings. So it's really amazing to see the impact that that can have. Yeah, it's amazing here you talk about how what started as buy one, give one has expanded to have such a big impact that it's not just about getting clothing, but now not just about getting lunches, but also impact uh, for maybe generations. Uh, how did you find the partner to donate these school lunches to set up these kind of programs? Originally, when we were donating the clothing, it was super important to me and the rest of our team that the product was getting to people who needed it. So that's why we were working directly with our production partners, making sure it wasn't just being, you know, oh, we gave this away. We wanted to make sure people who needed it. So we were working with local NGOs who they had personal relationships with. And to find this Akshaya Patra, this organization that helps to donate the meals, crazy enough, I was on YouTube and in a YouTube rabbit hole, which I love to be on YouTube. And I saw a video and it was someone visiting one of their kitchens. And it said, you know, this meal makes 25,000 school meals a day. And I was like, how is that possible? I need to see that. So I watched the video and you learned, it talked about the organization. I saw the impact they had and I was like, this could be something really huge for us. And started looking more and more into the organization, got in touch with them, spoke with them, told them about our company, our mission. And they immediately said, we want to support this. You totally are a great fit for us, and they've helped support us since. And they're able to reach so many people. They donate over 1.6 million school lunches a day right now. So it's just unbelievable the impact they have, and they can help us scale our giving as we continue to grow. That was one thing that was super important to us. It was an efficient organization who can help us continue as we grow. You seem to always have a long vision for what you want to do with your life and for your business. What is the vision for the next decade for bare bottom clothing? It's always an interesting question because people will say, hey, what's your one year, five year, 10 year plan? Even our one month plan is changing. We're always trying to improve. We're doing everything we can to improve. I do see and hope in the next 10 years to continue to build our team. That's super important because without a good team, it's impossible to do anything that we do. And just trying to become a household name where instead of the social proof of reviews, people just know who we are and they know our product and love our product. So that's what we're trying to do is become that go-to 
apparel brand. And because I do believe e-commerce is the future of shopping, you know, the, the experience of just going on your phone quickly before your trip and ordering shorts and everything we do, we try to get two day shipping. Any order over a hundred dollars is two to three day shipping. We ship out the same day before noon. So that experience I think is critical and we want to continue and improve that experience. Thank you so much for joining me today. Robert Felder, founder of Bare Bottom Clothing. They sell versatile, comfortable, and wearable everyday clothing and donates through a buy one, give one model. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. And that's all the time we have this week. Come hang out with us next time on Shopify Masters. Again, I'm Felix Tia. Take care.